Thank you, Hallie Cover. Hallie is a student at the University of Maryland Baylor and an incredible blessing to our church. What a lovely voice. Thank you for singing to the glory of God this morning. We are so grateful to you. Open your Bibles. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 12 in just a moment. <clears throat> My son-in-law rented a car this week and uh, they were bringing him uh, I don't know why they were bringing him back over here. But anyway, he, no, he turned it in. That's why when they were bringing him back over here <clears throat> and the guy that was bringing him back to Belton said, Hey, guess what? And my son-in-law said, what? He said, I heard for Mary Harden Baylor bought first Baptist Belton this week. I wonder where they're going to go. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he had no idea. He was talking to the pastor's son-in-law. <clears throat> What fun days are before us. Exciting, exciting, exciting. Well, from servants, Paul and Timothy, two servants, the church in Philippi, about the servant, Jesus. That's our theme for our journey through Philippians. Last time we were in Philippians was March 25th. Been a while. Uh, A lot's happened since that day. We had Christ in the Passover, then we had the Good Friday service, then Easter, then the Lord's Supper the next week. Then I was in Haiti, and Matt Hollingsworth really gave you a challenge, and I've heard a lot about it, and uh, I'm so thankful for the powerful sermon that he preached. And then last Sunday, faithful God, faithful future. And so today we're back to where we left off in uh, Philippians and do you remember where we were last time? Does, does any, anybody, anybody remember? Thank you, Dr. Smith. It's yes. So when I went to Haiti, I preached that sermon. I took it with me. And I asked the pastor of the church, John Leakes Paul, with over a thousand people, a thousand Haitians there on Sunday morning. I said, here's what I want to do. And I kind of walked him through it and I said, is that going to go over here in Haiti? And he laughed and he said, I think so. And so uh, I got up and I said, now tell me what it is in Creole. I want to say it in Creole. And so he told me what, what to say in, in Creole. And it's humiliation, it's a lot like English, humiliation, crucifixion, exaltation. You can put the emphasis on tasion. So I did it, and boy, they were with it. They loved it, and they you've never seen anything till you've seen over a 1,000 Haitians waving their arms in the air. It is beautiful, just beautiful. So humiliation, crucifixion, exaltation, and here we are at verse 12 of chapter 2. In the early part of this chapter, Paul says, we are united in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are one mind and one heart. And he calls for humility and serving others and then proceeds to give us an example of what he's talking about. And the example he gives us is none other than Jesus himself. And he talks about his humiliation, his crucifixion, his exaltation in the great verses 5 through through 11. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has the title Lord. And we may bow before him now 
or we will have to bow before him later in what will be a too late to save your soul act of humility. Most of us in this room have bowed the knee already. If you haven't, I pray you will today. So in verse 12, he used the word therefore. You know what that means. Based on what I just said, therefore, based on what I have just said, here's what we should do. So stand with me as we read God's word. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You may be seated. Lighting up the room. This is the message. Some people have a way of lighting up a room. You know people like that. I'm, I'm looking at some. You walk in the room and by your, your smile and your pers- the force of your personality, you just light up the room. And God bless you for that giftedness. I don't think it's something that you can uh, take a course in and learn how to do. I just think it's either part of who you are or, or it isn't. Or maybe it should be. So let's think about what Paul says as we think about lighting up the room. We also know that there are people who, when they come in, turn out the lights. Um, I'm sure they're not here today, but we all know some like that. Now, like a shepherd, Paul exhorts the sheep he loves, and he says to them, light up the room as it, as it were. Well, how do you do that? He gives us three ways. One is working out. Two is shining. Three is rejoicing. Working out, shining, rejoicing. So let's see what that means. First of all, working out. Paul, in verses 12 and 13, commends the church at Philippi. He says, you are a scripturally obedient people. You were when I was there among you, and you are in my absence. He says about the church in Philippi and to the church in Philippi, you are a gospel centered church what matters to you is the unchanging word of god the church in philippi was not a trend centered church it was a gospel centered church and that's what we are that's what we must be is a gospel centered church if you're looking for a trend centered church then uh, probably this will be your last day with us because we are not that. 
We're a gospel-centered church. There are trend-centered churches. You can find them, but that's, that's not us. We're a gospel-centered church focused on the unchanging Word of God. Then Paul commands the believers in Philippi. He commends them, but he commands them. And notice what he commands. He commands them to work out. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Which means what? Remember, and if you miss this, you will, you completely miss the meaning of what Paul intends when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This epistle is written to Christians. This is written to the already saved who are part of the church in Philippi. So what he means is, you who are saved, so follow the example of Christ and thus grow in Christ's likeness and obedience. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling is another way of saying, pursue holiness. In Peter it says, be ye holy for I am holy. And so another way of saying working out your salvation with fear and trembling is to pursue holiness. And we have a big theological word we pin on that. And it's a a process called sanctification. Now, salvation really has three parts. The first is justification. That moment in time when we are declared right with God because we trust Jesus as our Savior, repent of our sins, give our hearts and life to Him. We're justified. Justification. Then sanctification is that process that we go through from the time we experience justification till the time we die. Sanctification, meaning we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We love Him. We live for Him. We pursue uh, the Word of God. We pursue holiness. And so sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. And then there is still to come glorification because someday we're going to be in His presence. We'll see Him face to face and we will understand everything and we will experience glorification. So in the church... And this is something that is in the church, as Paul writes to Philippi, in the church, work it out. Live it out. Grow it out. Disciples becoming more like our master. And we do it with fear and trembling, which means that we live in awe of God and we respect the holy. We are not flippant about that which is holy we don't treat god as if in the same way that we would treat uh, some next door neighbor he is god he is holy we are in awe of him we respect the holy that's what he means work out your salvation with fear and trembling with awe and respect for god and the holy grow in your faith do everything to grow in Christ's likeness so that between now and the time God calls you home to heaven you will be in a process that causes you to look more and more and more like Jesus that that's exactly what he's talking about now here's the comforting part of that verse 13 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is at work in you. God is at work in us. That's good news. Because as we were talking about things that are impossible a few moments ago, this process of sanctification is impossible for me and for you in and of ourselves, but because He is at work in us, then in the passing of time, we can look more and more like Jesus. I don't do this alone. I can't do it alone. You don't do it alone. We can't do it alone. It is the Holy Spirit working in us to fulfill His purpose for our lives. And I see it in, in so many of you. I've known some of you for a long, long time. And I can say of so many of you, you are more like Jesus today than you used to be. And that is a supreme compliment that anyone would pay you because it means you've been engaged in this process of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've been involved in this process of sanctification and you are more like Jesus today than you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. You're more like Jesus. He's at work in you. He's at work in us. So Paul says in this matter of lighting up the room, we do it by working out. And secondly, we do it by shining. Verse 14, look again at what he says. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Man alive, if they were warped and crooked then, can you imagine what Paul would say now? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. What does verse 12 look like in everyday life? This working out of your salvation with fear and trembling. What does it look like in everyday life? I have to confess to a degree of surprise at what Paul says. When Paul wants to give us a concrete expression of verse 12, working out, what is the concrete expression that he gives us? Does he say, read your Bible daily? Well, I am confident that Paul did and would encourage us to read our Bibles daily, but that is not what he said. Well, did he say, pray without ceasing? Well, we know he said that to the third church in Thessalonica, and we know that Paul would encourage us to pray without ceasing. But when it comes to the concrete expression of working out your salvation with fear and trembling, that isn't what he said. Did he say, serve the poor? Well, we know Paul was all for serving the poor. His track record proves that. But that's not what he said. Well, did he say, educate the less fortunate? Well, Paul was highly educated. And we know he believed in education. We know he believed in learning everything that you can learn about the things of God. But that's not what he put in the text. What did he give as a concrete expression of what it means 
to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I must confess to a bit of a surprise, but then when I think about it, it makes perfect sense. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Paul is giving us a true acknowledgement of human nature and our propensity to complaining. The Greek word for grumbling is gogusman. Sounds like grumbling, doesn't it? Gogusman. And the word for arguing is dialogisman. Dialogisman. We get our English word dialogue from that. But it doesn't mean dialogue. It means arguing. Uh, you know, in Washington today, there's a lot of dial Liz Gizimon or whatever. <laughs> well, there's not much dialogue. Okay, Paul, you have my attention. You got my attention with that concrete example of what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why would he say that with, without grumbling or arguing? It he says it for this reason. It is such a contrast to the norm of our world. And that's why he singles it out. We live in a warped and crooked generation. Not Andy Davis's words, the Apostle Paul's words. We live in a warped and crooked generation. And when you and I live without grumbling or arguing, then you will shine like stars in the night sky and it will picture your firm grip on the gospel and exactly what Paul means when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what he calls in verse 16, the word of life. And then Paul himself has the inner satisfaction of leadership and discipleship well done when he concludes verse 16 by saying, I know I haven't run the race in vain. I haven't served with you in vain. I see what you're doing. Praise God for what you're doing. Well done, church in Philippi. Wow. Okay. I had to let that sink in big time in preparing for this message. And the Holy Spirit can really be rude sometimes. You ever notice that? Because he brought to my attention every cotton picking time I've complained over the last month. I was remembering every one of them. I just stop it, stop it, don't stop it. Okay, complaining is the common language of the culture, isn't it? Some of us greet one another by saying good morning. Some of us greet one another by saying howdy. Some of us greet one another by saying how are you? But the common language of the culture is complaining and holding to the gospel of joy will surprise a lot of people. And that's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling and offers a concrete example of that to live life without grumbling or complaining. John Newton, who wrote amazing grace, incredible experience with God gave an example. This is very dated because Gary lived what in the 1700s. So it's very dated illustration, but I'll bring it up to, I'll bring it up to today in a minute. Here's what he said. 
Suppose a man was going to New York City to take possession of a large estate and his carriage breaks down a mile before he gets to the city, which obliged him to walk the rest of the way. What a fool we would think of him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out all the remaining mile. My carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. Let's bring that to modern language. I'm informed. Oh, how I wish this would happen. I'm informed that a distant relative has passed away and has left me five million dollars. Oh, would it be so? <laughs> and I could help us with that. No, never mind. <clears throat> so I'm going to the attorney's office and I'm going to get a check for five million dollars. Can't even imagine it. So I'm in my old beat up 2002 Chevy that I used to have. And I'm two blocks from the attorney's office and the car just stops. It just dies. Now, what a fool I would be to get out of the car and to stand there two blocks from the five million dollars and wailing and saying, oh, my goodness, my car's broken down. I'm going to have to walk all the way. That's crazy. Well, think about it. We must remember that we only have a mile to go. Soon we will see Jesus. Soon we will be with Christ. We don't deserve that inheritance. It's ours by grace. So if we have to walk a few blocks, if we have to walk a mile, we can do it with a song. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling And the concrete example he gives to us is to do it without grumbling and arguing. Life is not easy. Persevere. Now, let's hold each other accountable. This week, when your friend or loved one begins to complain about something that's really not all that important, just say to them, go Guzman. That's all you'll need to say. They'll remember. So we'll hold each other accountable. Now, let's close this out. Paul says, shine like lights, light up the room by working out, by rejoicing. I mean, by shining. And number three is by rejoicing. Look at verse 17 and 18 again. Verse 17 and 18. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. He's talking about dying. I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is saying, even though I'm giving my life for Christ and his church, I rejoice. And Philippi, you should too. And Belton, you should too. For the advancement of the gospel, Paul says, even prison seems as nothing. If I die, I die because I will be with Christ. I don't know how many of you saw the movie, Paul, Apostle of Christ. My family and I went to see it at Grand Avenue. It was a great, great movie. But the part that, that struck me, I had to hold my seat on this part so I wouldn't come apart at the seams, but... 
the Christians are in prison and they've been told tomorrow you're going to the Roman arena and we're going to set the lions, the hungry lions on you. You are all going to die tomorrow. Luke is there in prison with them. And Luke gathers all the believers around and he's comforting, talking to them. And then he says to them, it will hurt only for a second. Then you will be with Jesus. Wow. I mean, it's like, oh, I got to hold my chair so I don't come apart on that one. It will hurt only for a second. And then you will be with Jesus. And every written testimony that we have of the suffering of those early believers is that they suffered without protestation. They suffered silently or talking to Jesus without protest. Well, how do we, how do we live in light of the great truths that are found in Philippians chapter 2. In the shadow of the cross and before the throne of God, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, giving a shining witness to a dark world by not grumbling, but holding out the word of life, and rejoice in sacrifice rooted in the grace of God anticipating the coming day of Jesus Christ. And so we determine we want to light up the room for Jesus. And we'll do it by working out, by shining, and by rejoicing. Let's bow together for prayer. In a moment, we're going to stand. Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of our hymn of invitation. Someone in this room needs Jesus, and if that person is you, then in this moment the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, and I ask you to leave your seat. Come and take my hand. I'm I'm standing right here at the front. Simply say to me, Pastor, I need Jesus, and there will be a member of our staff or one of our laypersons here to pray with you, to open God's Word, to share with you. Will you give your life to Christ today? And for all of us who've already done that, will we determine that we will light up the room by working out our salvation with fear and trembling, by becoming more and more like Jesus, by shining and by rejoicing? And God will empower us to do that very thing. Father, we need your help to do what you've asked us to do. We call upon you this morning And now I pray that if there's one, two, three, or four in this room who've not yet trusted Jesus, that they will come right now giving heart and life to the Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.